Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders on this beautiful Thursday. I am Adam Weinerb alongside fanside. It's MLB insider Robert Murray. We got some hybrid buyer-sellers to talk through. We got some strange teams stuck in the middle. The Mets say everything they're allowed to say about hiring David Stearns without saying they're going to hire David Stearns. We'll talk more about that. Plus, uh, Domingo Herman threw a perfect game yesterday. Robert, we picked a weird day to do a podcast. We sure did. What a what an absolute time to be alive. I mean, another perfect game. I mean... That was probably the last pitcher I think anyone could have ever anticipated having that happen, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Adam Weinrib, always a pleasure being here with you. It's a joy. Uh, before we get into all the nitty-gritty, we do have another promo for everybody. Uh, today's promo is with Bet365. You can get that code right on your screen, but the details for everybody, we have an awesome sports betting promo for all new Bet365 users, all you have to do is deposit $10 and place a $1 wager on any sport. You will instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. All you have to do is use the code BASEBALLIN at sign up right there on the screen. By using the code BASEBALLIN, you not only receive the $200 in bonuses, you will also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you have not signed up for Bet365, join with the code BASEBALLIN and place that first bet. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. And Robert, I signed up and placed my first bet last night. Uh, The bet was a guy who allowed seven earned runs at Fenway Park and 10 runs against the Mariners at home in his last home start would throw a no-hitter on the road in under 100 pitches. And I... I bet $10 and I cashed out $38 million uh, plus my bonus bets. So that was cool. I'm surprised the odds were that low. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what the hell we just watched. So there's the, there's the A's factor of it all, right. Yep. In Domingo Herman's perfect game, right. You can't get, you can't discuss it without being like, yep, really bad team on the other end, of course. But those numbers th- that was at Fenway, seven earned runs home against Seattle, 10 runs, eight earned coming off not only his two worst starts of the season, a distinctly average pitcher, two of the worst starts you'll ever see anybody throw ever, just horrendous job. Um, and he silences the Oakland A's, and it's our first perfect game since Felix Hernandez in 2012. There were three that year. So it makes you think, all right, either we're going to have like two more right after this, or it's going to be another 10, 15, 20, 25 years. You start getting scared off by by pitch counts, by combined no hitters, by all sorts of pitcher maintenance. You know, it's it's not easy to do this, and it's harder than it used to be. Oh, it's it's much harder than it used to be. I still think that we're gonna have, there's gonna be more perfect games in in baseball history. I can't imagine this is gonna end up being the last one. But like one point that I like, there's you teased this a little bit with what you said. But one point I want to make about this Domingo Herman perfect game here is yes i realize the a's stink they they are bad they are very bad um 
but that's a major league team there and being able to get a perfect game that's impressive no matter who the opponent is especially since he had 17 earned runs allowed in 5.1 innings in his last two starts which not great um and the fact he was able to do that for nine innings be that dominant um was extremely impressive and i've seen people try to um try to gloss it over or try to play it down a little bit just because it's the a's i mean i don't care who the opponent is that's impressive and um good for him good for the yankees um yeah i'm, I'm impressed the a's are the a's but the teams that just destroyed him the mariners and red sox Mariners are not an offensive powerhouse. They put up eight runs, eight, eight earned, ten runs against them. The Red Sox just put up four runs in three games against the Marlins and White Sox. They tagged him for seven runs in two innings. It's kind of a Red Sox-Yankees thing. Red Sox offense is also obviously better than that. They're very roller coaster this season. But still, uh, two struggling teams he played before this and got, you know, ripped apart and then goes to Oakland and sort of very effortlessly casually sets him down. And uh, I don't know. I just, it got me thinking, unfortunately, because it always does about, um, you know, of course this, this probably will not be the last perfect game in MLB history, but we are just one year removed from Clayton Kershaw going seven perfect in Minnesota, 80 pitches in the seven innings. It's so hard to keep your pitch count down. Matt Kane did it. He was at 125 in 2012. When King Felix did it, he was at 113. Like, if, if someone's going to throw a perfect game, you kind of just have to smile and nod and accept that they might throw 110, 120. Uh, so for Ramon to do it under 100, and for Kershaw last year to get robbed of that chance, I didn't want to go back to thinking about Dave Roberts doing that, but unfortunately I had to do it. No, I, I, I totally hear you on that one. That's actually a very good shot, by the way. I totally forgot that it ended up happening with Kershaw. Like, as, as you said, I, I think we are not done with the days of the perfect game. I do think we are done of the days of the no hitter where Edwin Jackson is throwing 150 pitches or whatever that was like that was, there's no way that's happening again. I mean, it's, there's no shot, but um, there will be another perfect game. I don't know when um, Michael, I, I see your comment down there saying that the next pitcher to do it will have at least two perfect games for his career. I'm wondering if you have the script for the upcoming major league baseball seasons. If so, I would like to have them. Um, if that does end up happening, I will remember that comment and give you a hat tip um, and, and tip my cap. Cause that would be very impressive. Yeah. Is he saying that Domingo Herman is going to throw another one? Is that what the comment is or no? I, I have no idea, but I'm telling you if, if he throws in one of his, uh, um, in his next outing, then I'm, I'm going to be convinced that he's got something. Uh, he knows something. All-time so. favorite no-hitter that would never happen again, to your point. Marlins over Padres, 3 nothing, May 12, 2001. A.J. Burnett, nine innings, seven Ks, no hits, only nine walks, and 129 pitches. Uh, you're not going to see that one again. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's that's an identical line to uh, it's Edwin Jackson. I mean, that's yeah, no way. I gotta look. At, I gotta look at the Edwin Jackson numbers because I remember that one being absurd too. But the Burnett one, I just oh yeah, one hundred forty nine pitches and eight walks for Edwin Jackson. It's actually uh, it's just as bad.
Yeah, it's somehow worse. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I I mean, that's the most memorable no hitter of my lifetime, just because of how absolutely freaking outrageous it was. So, yeah. See, we all have our touch points. I didn't really remember Jackson's that well, but that is uh that is super absurd. Um, the Yankees are stuck in between. Domingo Herman's no hitter, perfect game. It's not going to make anybody forget that the lineup is mid. The team can't hit so much. 11 runs yesterday will not make anybody forget that either. The Yankees fall firmly right into this hybrid seller-buyer mold at the trade deadline. Honestly, I started thinking about them selling Herman yesterday. Uh, if Carlos Rodon does come back on time and if they have to figure out how to juggle Schmidt and the rookies and Nestor comes back, who knows? That's just something off. A lot of ifs. A lot of ifs. A lot of ifs, a lot of ifs, but it did make me consider it. Um, I would say the Yankees are not one of the clearest weird little hybrid sellers. Um, there are plenty of teams that fall in between. We mentioned there are not a lot of pure sellers. The Royals and A's are quite bad. They're obviously going to sell. The White Sox are probably going to sell more than buy. Um, the Cardinals as well. But but there are several teams that are, that are in between that could be inspired by the 500 Braves from a couple of years ago who went absolutely wild at the deadline and managed to rebuild their entire outfield on the fly and just sort of go for it again. The Mariners did this last year. And so they're the first team that is making me go, What what is your current path? Um, like, do, do the Seattle Mariners still believe in themselves? I, I, I could never count them out of being sort of a hybrid mode buyer seller considering how much jerry depoto loves to add stuff yeah it's so i'm gonna i'll talk about the mariners here for a second then i'm gonna lump in the rest of the teams that we got here because I, I have thoughts on all of them just combined so yeah. just bear bear with me here mr weiner <laughs> um i just i got so excited about it, i just hit my computer desk uh, off to a strong start but the the mariners are a very interesting team here is like Jerry DePoto is as unpredictable as any general manager in baseball. He will pull moves out of his hat that I don't think anyone really could have anticipated. Um, and they are in a really interesting spot in the fact that they could buy if they end up turning this thing around in the next couple of weeks, or they can end up selling. And I think Teoscar Hernandez could end up being somebody who attracts trade interest uh, from different teams. It's because he's a penny for agent. They can try to get some value for him before he hits for agency. Um, but the thing is, is with the Mariners, with the Mets, with the Padres, with all these teams that are just not exactly living up to expectations, and that's putting it mildly, um, they don't know exactly what they're going to do. We're still five weeks out from the deadline, or four weeks out at this point, basically. And there's still a lot yet to be determined. I think... For most of these teams, it's going to come down to the week of and figuring out what exactly they're going to end up doing. Um, but it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating, especially with the New York Mets. You saw the report from Anthony DeComo. He did not say that Scherzer wants to waive his no trade clause, but he said if the Mets are out of contention, that Scherzer would be open to it. And your head can go in a lot of different directions here, with where exactly Scherzer could end up. I'm, this is totally speculative on my end. Totally speculative. This is more connecting dots. The Los Angeles Angels. So the Angels pursued Scherzer at the 2021 trade deadline. They pursued him as a free agent in that offseason. 
they are going all out to try to retain Shohei Otani, and they want to win this year. Max Scherzer makes a whole lot of sense for that team, especially since they need a frontline starting pitcher. I could see it. We'll see if that happens, but it would not surprise me if in the coming weeks, if the Mets fall out of contention, if we hear that Scherzer and Angels link start to heat up. Um, and you look at the move on from the, from the Angels here. The other team that really is pretty fascinating is the San Diego Padres. I said on the last show that it would take a pretty epic collapse for them to consider selling and selling their major pieces, I should say. Um, but if they do end up going in that direction, you look at Josh Hader, he's a pending free agent. Did, did they even entertain trading Juan Soto? Highly doubt it. Highly, 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 highly doubt it. I would not even entertain that thought, but um, if they fall and they collapse, which this series against the Pirates, not encouraging, if they collapse, they could end up really changing the trade deadline if they wanted to. So I'll leave you guys with that. It's about as good as a nugget gets right now. I mean, they they just blew a 4 nothing lead today um, in what was supposed to be the get-right game of this three-game set in Pittsburgh. They're down 5-4 late in that one. Not, not that a single game could determine the way that their season trends, but you know, you're right. It's three and a half, four weeks or like we're about a month out at this point. It's still too early, but that means every game until we get to the deadline could have extra significance because teams really are. It's like the extra wild card, right? Cause of the extra wild card, even more teams are in it because of uh, the fact that there is that extra playoff seed dangling and so many teams are in the same area as the deadline approaches. Truly one game or two games could be the difference in somebody deciding we'll go for the six seed or eh, not worth it. All right, let's go crazy. The market is, is light. No, exactly. And that's kind of like why I'm thinking that some of these teams end up holding on to their pieces. And that's why I think the Padres end up holding on to their guys is their extra, their the extra postseason spot or the extra wildcard spot. It allows these teams that, maybe would have been sellers in the past to try to end up making one last little run for that last wild card spot. I still like, I know I mentioned the Padres and what they're, I, st I still right now would be really surprised. And I mean, really surprised if Hader or Soto or elsewhere after July 31st, I would call it extremely unlikely, but that is a team to watch. They collapse. I'm just I'm just saying that's that's my feel right now. Blake Snell is the one that I have my eyes on because it feels Great like that when you're talking about hybrid buying selling like or even a semi sale without getting rid of Juan Soto, that just feels like a player who who could find himself elsewhere. No, it absolutely is. And like I mean, I think Blake Snell. There's a lot of teams that need rotation help, and that he's easily plus he's signed to an affordable salary too. So it's not going to end up being like a one where you're going to have to one give up the farm and also have to stretch your payroll to an uncomfortable level. Like he's not making too, too much. So I could absolutely see that. Yeah. It's not bad at all. And this is the last year of that contract. So you're getting a rental. Yeah. I don't know. My eyes are there when, uh, when Aaron judge, when the Padres came to Yankee stadium a couple weeks ago, Snell put up a picture of him and Aaron judge on his Instagram story. And I did a, 
just a little speculative nugget about like, hmm, is that a trade target that we'd never thought about? And everybody commented, you know, Padres won't sell. This is dumb. It's just a picture. Of course, it's just a picture, but they're friends. It's a link that makes sense. It's an AL East tested arm. And if the Padres are falling out of it, I would not be shocked. No, for sure. And like, I'll tell you, obviously a burner, Mark Tompkin, if he says something about the Rays, listen to it. He is as plugged in as any beat writer in the country. Um, I don't know exactly what he said, but when he when he talks, I listen. And they, hey, what franchise knows more about how you get the most out of Blake Snell than the Rays? Like they, they made a living on maximizing Snell's value then trading him. And if they feel like it's a bargain at this point in the contract to bring him back, they know his body, they know his work ethic and how he operates. It makes total sense there too. No, it absolutely does. And it's an environment that he's clearly comfortable in too. And he's proven to be successful there. I mean, I, I can't say I've heard anything about Snell and the Rays, but if Topkin is saying it, then um, yeah, maybe that's the one to keep an eye on, I guess. Well, we'll keep an eye on Steve Cohen's Mets as well. He had an interesting little piece of press availability this week. Not as interesting as some people were hoping. They thought he'd go scorched earth and just maybe maybe fire the whole world, uh, maybe trade Scherzer himself. But instead, he, he did admit that this has been a failure, which is step one. You know, he said all is not lost yet, but it's getting late. Um, and it is getting late. It's getting late enough that we're talking about it. Uh, potential, you know, Max Scherzer no trade waving situation. Um, but perhaps more importantly, he definitely... Uh, more than hinted that they are looking to hire a baseball ops guy above Billy Epler over the next, you know, at the end of the year and, and made it pretty clear that he didn't say David Stearns out loud, but, you know, we've made the connection on this show. A lot of folks have drawn that line and he said, you know, other opportunities could present themselves. I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. It's interesting. It's, and it is very interesting, but I know you have some thoughts here. I do have some thoughts here, and I think Stearns in New York would be a perfect fit for the Mets. He is exactly what they need, and somebody who can give them um, a very like a veteran voice, a new voice, and some really good ideas. And I know Brewers people raved about one of his ideas that he came up with, but also the culture that he established, and and people that worked with Stearns really liked him. And I think for a team that has struggled with um, having a good or like having that kind of person at the leading their front office, I think that'd be a step in the right direction. That being said, I don't think he'll be the only person that they consider. I know a lot of people are already drawing it as like a Stearns to New York is done thing. And well, I'm like fans wise. And it's far from that, obviously like Stearns is under contract with the brewery is not allowed to talk to Cohen. And I don't even think he said a word to Cohen in his life. Um, but one thing that I, I, I wondered is Stern's everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I've spent a, a decent amount of time around Stearns covering the Brewers for the Athletic. And one thing that I know is that he's a very private person. And I wonder if all the speculation connecting him to New York would make him uncomfortable. Um, just a thought on my end, I... Can't say I haven't heard it, haven't talked to Stearns about it. So I 
I don't want to speak for him, but I wondered if it could make him uncomfortable. And um, I know that he was, um, he grew up a Mets fan. He grew up in that area. So this would probably be a dream job for him, but um, it's not, it's not a done deal, but man, that, that sure is a really good fit. The bringing Corbin Burns to New York comment from Justin. I mean, I don't feel like Corbin Burns would probably want to get as far away from the people he was locked in that arbitration hearing with. So I don't, I feel like that would make it less appealing for him to go to New York. That being said, though, he, uh, that was not, um, that was when Stearns was gone. That was under the the new regime here with Matt Arnold. Um, So, I mean, who knows? But I, from I, I believe that those guys have a good relationship. Um, that's what I believe at this point. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, speculating. Steve Cohen does the speculating for us. We just discuss potential fits, and we'll keep an eye on that as the season and off season progress. Um, the other just weird little hybrid selling rumor this week. Um, our friend. This comes from Boston. Our our new friend Adam Duvall who we love speaking to uh, last week. And when we signed off, I said, I wish you luck. And I genuinely mean that. Uh, it'd be way easier for me to mean that if he would uh, not be on the Boston Red Sox anymore. It'd be great if he would get traded. Uh, Pete Abraham, uh, Sox writer, claimed this week that rival executives believe the Sox are playing Duvall over Jaron Duran more often these days so that they can showcase him at the deadline. Now, I, I, it kind of, it just changed my expectations a little bit for the Sox, it made me wonder, um, you know, this is, this is going to be, we've called this team relentlessly 500 um, does feel kind of relentlessly 500. <laughs> like they, they went, they went seven up and then they went right back down and then they went four up and now they're one under and Hey, it, it is what it is. But uh, it does make me think, you know, last year they, they dropped Christian Vasquez, but they bring Tommy famine. They don't really get any worse. <laughs> they just sort of, they, they bring in Valdez on the Vasquez trade and they get better for this year. Um, makes me wonder, are we ready for another one of those with Duval potentially being the most important piece that moves or does it go a little deeper and James Paxton on the move, Nick Pavetta on the move, some of these weird veterans. I don't know what you're looking at for the Red Sox. They can't do what they did last year because that was a total mess. They bought and sold at the same time. And as you said, they basically stayed the same, which was relatively mediocre. Um, and I can't imagine they're going to do that again. Um, if they end up, if they end up selling, I think what they're most likely going to do is trade guys that are on expiring contracts. And Duvall is certainly one of them. And considering his performance before the injury, and then he's kind of, he's, he's performed well since the injury, uh, since he returned from the injury, I should say, um, I would imagine there will certainly be interest, especially considering his postseason success and the fact that he was so good with the Atlanta Braves. Um, if there is one player who is signed to a multi-year deal, I think he signed to a multi-year deal that um, that could have value, or that actually does have value, I should say. It's Kenley Jensen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always teams looking for bullpen help, especially an established arm in the ninth inning. That... Um, I would not be surprised if we heard of some teams being interested in Jensen. I don't necessarily know if they would want to move him, but um, all front offices listen to inquiries and you never know uh, what they can end up getting in return. So maybe, but I think the most likely ones to go on Boston, are the guys who are signed to one-year deals. 
Yeah, Jansen was, uh, I mean, he's done, if nothing else, he's proven that it's not like an automatic, like, oh, the pitch clock exists, so now I'm bad kind of thing. Like, he certainly had his foibles with the pitch clock. He blew that save to St. Louis earlier in the year where got dinged for like 12 violations against Wilson Contreras. Um, so it's not like the pitch clock is his best friend, but it certainly did not neuter his value. ERA in the low threes, throwing 97 again, like – he's definitely had outings where you watch him and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's Kenley Jansen. Like, of course. Um, so sign for one more year for 16 million next year. It's, it's a confusing one. Cause what the Red Sox, I think obviously intend to contend next year. They intend to contend every year. Um, but do you need a $16 million closer to do that? Um, is the bullpen good enough as it is with Kenley Jansen? Also not quite. You're still going to these lower tier guys, Josh Winkowski, Blew another game. Pavetta intrigues me as a reliever. It's the only reason I mentioned, like, hey, if you want to, do you want this multi-inning weapon for yourself? Or have you have enough people watched over the last couple weeks as he's transitioned to the bullpen and dominated like he did in the 2021 playoffs that they might go, you know what? That's like, that's the Andrew Miller of this year. Like, we'll go ahead and make a bet on someone. Maybe he gives us two and a third shutout in an important playoff game and then we look like geniuses. No, exactly. And I mean, that's uh, Andrew Miller is probably one of the best postseason or one of the best midseason additions ever. I think that is that fair to say? I mean, I just ranked, uh, I did, uh, my brain works in mysterious ways, but I was bored yesterday. And I was like, let me rank every Yankees closer after Mariano Rivera. Um, I mean, he's your obvious number one. His season and a half in the Bronx was even more dominant than you remember. He didn't really walk people. He had like a 0.85 whip. Like he was stupid. And then he went to Cleveland in the middle of the season, got even better. Ended up striking out 125 guys in 73 innings that year or something like that. It might have been 125 and 70. It might have been swift the three and five. I'm not positive, but like 50 more Ks than innings pitch for Miller in that absurd season. And gets to the playoffs and Terry Francona against the Red Sox and that DS is like, yeah, he pitches three innings in these playoff games now. Like, that's just what we're going to do. He pitches until he he doesn't anymore. Like, that's how I manage this bullpen, and it worked. No, it absolutely did. Also, the fact that you remember those numbers or anything close to them um, off the top of your head, uh, I respect. That is, as you said, your brain works in mysterious ways, but that's why we love you so much. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's, I'll tell you, if a team is able to find the next Andrew Miller, well, I mean, that's difficult, but anything close to what Andrew Miller can provide, then that's a clear home run. Um, I, I will say, uh, Justin, you make a very good point about the 2021 deadline, uh, how it was supposed to be dead until the Cubs and the White, or Club, Cubs and the Nationals ended up selling. And then last year was supposed to be like that until Soto was made available. Kind of has the same feel of this year uh, in the sense that I've talked to numerous executives and they've all said this year lacks the big name star power. But if one of those teams that's on the fringe, like uh, San Diego Padres or New York Mets or other ones that are just kind of teetering on the edge there, if they flip and go to sell mode, that's when it could get interesting. But I don't think we're at that point right now. But good news is we're four weeks out from the deadline. So that could change very quickly. We are four weeks out and... At this point, the Miami Marlins are still potential buyers, and all eyes are on them right now because of Luis Arise. Um, yesterday, people were making jokes a couple weeks ago about, like, are we going to have to do, like, Luis Arise cut-ins during ESPN college football games like we did for Judge? 
And the answer is maybe because he might be flirting with 400. And yesterday was the first time this season where I watched the MLB.com highlight package of Sox Marlins, which was a forgettable game with a 75 minute rain delay in the middle. And still they should be every arise at bat. They, they cut in to the highlight package to just be like, here he grounded out. It's like, okay. So we're definitely at the point where baseball nerds are going out of their way to watch every Luis rise at bat. But how close do we get, like how far in the season do we have to get where you're really taking the pursuit of 400 seriously? Cause right now for me, I'm interested cause I'm a loser but I don't think I believe he's going to do it. I just want to watch him try. Hey, you you, you said it, not me. Um, <laughs> I always say it. I readily admit I'm a loser. <laughs> well, I will say this. I am extremely impressed with the fact that he's this close to 400 this deep into the season. Like that, there are not many players who can do that whatsoever. Um, but I will start believing that 400 is possible if he is still hitting around this Um about three quarters of the way through the season. And if he is, then we're going to be cutting into college football games. We're going to be making people very upset or football fans, very upset, I should say. Um, but I'll tell you like that, that trade, the, the Marlins got some scrutiny for it. I mean, the Pablo Lopez, obviously he had frontline rotation starter kind of stuff, gave up a top prospect in that deal. And the twins had concerns about, uh, arises like long-term health. I think it was with his leg, I want to say. Um, and the Marlins look really smart. And Kim Ang deserves credit. She, This was a deal that she made. Uh, it was either going to blow up in her face or it was going to look really, really smart. And for honestly, it looks like both sides are the winners right now, um, which that's always a good baseball trade. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've said that. I was before. getting ready. I was getting ready if you didn't. I was, it's, it might be the first baseball insider shirt. Just good baseball trade on the front, period. Baseball insiders on the back. I'm telling you, I would, I'm would. i absolutely here for it. Let's start the uh, yeah, Hunter, who's who's producing the show today. If we can get the baseball insiders merch going, uh, good baseball trade. Well, that would be top seller. That's, uh, yeah, let's see if we can scheme that. But I, there is also another stat with Arise that, I'm sure I'm not the first person to point this out. Um, but the fact that he has 114 hits this year and in five major league seasons, he has struck out 147 times. Um, that is simply remarkable to me. Um, he's, he's a special hitter. He's probably, what would you call him the most pure hitter in the game right now? I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, um, him and Isaiah Connor Falefa one and two. Um, no, it's, it's it's. I sent some sarcasm there. <laughs> I can't. It's fine. He actually just homered. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's so much fun watching a rise. Also, he just he breaks he breaks Savant. Like Statcast does not understand Luis Arise and never will. Uh, at least though, it does say that he's in the top percentiles for average and all the things that he really does do well, but. He's always, he's going to do that every year. He's going to be in the hundredth percentile for average because he hits 340, and he's going to be in the 28th, 35th for hard hit. And everybody who's just logging onto that site for the first time is going to be like, "How is this guy good?" And the answer is, baseball's fun, and sometimes people are just good. Yeah, that's exactly it. And he's good. Don't listen to some of those numbers. And by the way, uh, Johnny, I want to. I also want to give a shout out to Obvious Shirts. I have bought their stuff before. Big fan. I love what those guys do in Chicago. So uh, if they can make that shirt for us, 
uh, we would be forever grateful. We'll talk to him. We'll get some shirts. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll have my people call their people. <laughs> yeah, I got a different shirt guy. We'll see if we can link up. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, IKF also, <laughs> I said he just homered, and then I saw the highlight. Estuary Ruiz robbed it, and he hit the wall and dropped his glove over the fence. I'm not even sure. <laughs> I guess that counts as a home run by law, but arguably weirder than the perfect game. That is, baseball is a weird game, and I, I, I'm absolutely here for it. What, what, what a weird series that one's been! Holy Toledo, wackadoo. Uh, well, if you think you can predict baseball, if you had that Ruiz glove drop, then uh, you don't have an account at Bet Three Six Five. Now's a pretty good time. Remember, all you have to do is deposit that ten dollars and place a one dollar wager on any sport. You'll instantly go ahead and receive that two hundred additional dollars added to your account in bonus bets. Whether you win or lose, all you have to do is use that code baseball in at sign up. That's baseball in. You receive the 200 in bonuses. You'll also be directly supporting the podcast. Again, that offer available for new customers 21 plus, physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Make sure it applies to you and create that account. Um, we're going to be talking a lot more all-star stuff in the coming weeks. I can't wait to do our full reserves. Uh, I'm a, again, I'm a nerd in all aspects. I keep saying like, well, I'm a real sucker for all-star stuff. But then I was just on an interview with somebody else. And I, like I was doing a, an interview with the director of an upcoming documentary. And I was like, I'm a real hall of famer nerd. And then I'm just like, maybe I'm just like a nerd overall, I guess for everything. But, um, Futures game rosters are the ones that are out now. We learn the starters for the All-Star game tonight. We'll learn the reserves in a little bit longer. It's about, uh, it's only a week and five days till the All-Star game, which is crazy. So we'll do some All-Star roster chatter next week. But the Futures game rosters are out. Right before we go, it did make me think, which prospects might we expect to see after the Futures game uh, actually goes down the rosters, it's not intensely obvious right now. I was sort of flirting with Kyle Manzardo of the Rays, Andy Rodriguez of the Pirates, but Henry Davis might be the pirate catcher hybrid who gets called up first. Curtis Mead, fellow Rays prospect, is on the 40-man, and Manzardo isn't, so I'm sort of torn on those. But Kyle Harrison, to me, we've talked about him already, still kind of feels like he's on track to come after that game, doesn't he? That is what I'm thinking. I think that's going to end up being around the time between my, my guess is somewhere around like the futures game to the trade deadline is when he gets the call. And that is going to be the look at the Giants' best pitching prospect since Madison Bumgarner. And I'll tell you, he is, he is very, very, very good. And having him and Logan Webb atop of the rotation, and those two just so happen to be like really close friends. Um, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good foundation for the Giants. Um, but those are not the only guys who are worth watching. Um, this is not necessarily just Futures game related, because I don't think um, Lyover Paguero, Paguero with the Pirates, I might be mispronouncing that name. Uh, I don't think he's in the game, but um, it would not surprise me if he got the call at some point during the 2023 season. He, it's from my understanding, it's not imminent, um, but I would imagine he'll be called up at some point during the 2023 season, maybe sooner rather than later. Um, and then I'm going to give you guys 
someone who entered the season on a relatively like he was under the radar for a lot of people. And it's Jacob Mizorowski with the Milwaukee Brewers. He just recently entered the MLB pipeline top 100 prospect list. I was talking to an evaluator who is very familiar with Mizorowski. He's watched him closely. Yes, his stuff is still raw and needs refinement, but he said it's the best, it's the best pure stuff that he's seen in the minors this season. And he said like, he was he was point blank about it. And he has told me things in the past that have turned out to be true. And he said he does not speak in hyperbole, but he believes in Mizorowski. So that's going to be a name to watch. He's not a guy that's going to be up this year. Um, I would imagine if everything goes right, he's got a chance, maybe an outside chance at a spot for next year. Maybe he debuts in the bullpen um, and then starts a 2025 season in the rotation. Uh, that's something that they've done in the past with Burns, with Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. So they could follow like a similar formula there. But he is somebody that they are very, 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 very high on in Milwaukee and for good reason. I was going to let you pronounce Mizorowski first. I appreciate you saying <laughs> Mizorowski out loud. Um, I think I got it right. I think you got it right. But you, you can hear his name on that Futures Game broadcast too. He will be on that field uh, just over a week Saturday. What is it, the 8th? Um, I'll yep. be at a wedding. I just checked the calendar. That's why I just stared off into the distance. <laughs> um, I'll be at a wedding, so I'm going to miss it but it'll be on Peacock. Hopefully it'll get replayed. I love the futures game. I'm a sucker for all this stuff. And we are getting into the best time of year, Robert Murray. And I appreciate you riding along with me for it, taking me through this and giving everybody an inside look at what we know so far, even though so much could change in just a few short weeks. Absolutely. it's We'll be here to document all of it. Uh, so make sure you tune into the futures, uh, well, future episodes of the Baseball Insiders here. Not not just the futures game, but future episodes of the Baseball Insiders. Uh, Adam, I appreciate you, man. Great show as always. Great being here with you guys. Uh, we always appreciate all the comments, too. Today's today's comment section was pretty active once again. We We absolutely love to see it. Yeah, it's getting fiery. It's getting to the point where people are dropping off their trade proposals so that we can add some fun stuff to the docket. Like, we're prepared for this podcast. Not like we don't prepare, but it's nice when people have their own questions, thoughts, ideas, trade pitches to bring us, and we'll evaluate them, see what we uh, see we can give you as you come by, and uh, potentially look for more of that in the coming weeks as we transition to potential subscription opportunities, potential new conversations that we're able to give you. Um, more questions you bring, the better. More comments you bring, you bring the fire. Um, we're going to run an interview again, a different interview, not Adam Duvall again on Monday. Don't worry, fresh content. But Robert and I, we will see everybody next Thursday, right after the holiday. That sounds good to me. I'm here for it. Let's do it. We'll be closer to the all-star rig. We'll be closer to the deadline one week closer. At least we'll have more info for you. Take care, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.